This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, October 4th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, estimating the prevalence of substance use disorders in the U.S. using the benchmark multiplier method, is in JAMA Psychiatry. This cross-sectional study compares Medicaid administrative data with data from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health from 2018 to 2019. The study found that 12-month prevalence estimates were higher in Medicaid administrative data than in National Survey on Drug Use and Drug Health data for alcohol use disorder, cannabis use disorder, opioid use disorder, and stimulant use disorder. The findings suggest that the prevalence of substance use disorders may be considerably higher than National Survey on Drug Use and Health estimates indicate. Next is a study in the Journal of General Internal Medicine titled Perioperative Management of Buprenorphine and Naloxone in a Large National Healthcare System. This study describes clinical practice regarding buprenorphine in the perioperative period using data from the Veterans Health Administration for 183 patients who were prescribed buprenorphine at the time of surgery. Overall, 66% of study participants had a perioperative dose hold. The study found that at the time of one month after surgery, 87% of subjects were receiving buprenorphine and 8% had returned to substance use. At one year, 6% of subjects had overdosed and 8% had died. The authors conclude that a perioperative buprenorphine hold is not consistent with guidelines and carries significant risk. A new article in the Canadian Journal of Emergency Medicine is titled Out-of-Hospital Management of Unresponsive Apneic-Witnessed Opioid Overdoses. This study consisted of a chart review from a supervised consumption site in Vancouver, Canada over the years 2012 to 2017. The study identified patients who were apneic and unresponsive from opioid overdose and who received oxygen and non-invasive ventilation, 93% receiving naloxone. The study noted complications in 2% of subjects. Overall, the authors believe these results support the effectiveness of non-invasive ventilation and naloxone in treating opioid overdoses. Next, we have an article in the Journal of Study on Alcohol and Drugs titled Bicycle Injuries Associated with Drug Use in the United States 2019-2020. In this study, the authors examined data from the National Electronic Injury Surveillance System for bicycle injuries related to the use of psychoactive drugs independent of alcohol. Of the over 400,000 patient visits to emergency departments related to bicycle injuries during the study period, over 11,000 were related to substance use. The substances most frequently used were methamphetamine at 36.4%, marijuana at 30.7%, and opioids at 18.5%. Most patients were between 25 and 44 years of age, and almost 70% were non-Hispanic white. Further study is needed to identify which substances may pose increased risk, as well as the circumstances surrounding these injuries and possible mitigation or prevention efforts. A new article in Health Affairs is titled, A Proposed Policy Agenda for Electronic Cigarettes in the U.S. 
This article addresses preventing youth uptake of e-cigarettes and the desire to realize the potential of e-cigarettes to increase adult cigarette smoking cessation. The article organizes interventions according to the four P's of marketing, product, price, place, and promotion. Policies include decreasing the addictiveness of combusted tobacco products while ensuring the availability of consumer-acceptable reduced-risk nicotine products, as well as imposing large taxes on the combustible products and smaller taxes on e-cigarettes, limiting the sale of all tobacco and non-medicinal nicotine products to adult-only retailers, and developing communications that accurately portray e-cigarettes' risk to youth and benefits for inveterate adult smokers. The next article, titled Distinct Brain Structure Abnormalities, Attention Deficit and Hyperactivity Disorder and Substance Use Disorders Share Considerable Neuropsychological Features and Diagnostic Co-Occurrence Among Adolescents and Young Adults. In this study, the authors conducted a voxel-based neuroimaging meta-analysis looking at the overlapping and distinct brain regional volumetric changes between young people with these two conditions. Decreased gray matter volume was observed in the motor cortex and frontal lobes in ADHD patients. Increased volumetric pattern in the left putamen presented in those with substance use disorders. The ADHD group showed larger regional gray matter volume in the right inferior parietal lobe and smaller volumes in the left putamen and left precentral gyrus than in the SUD group. These findings may promote a greater understanding of these conditions in clinical settings. Our next article is in addiction, titled Turnt Trending, a systematic review of substance use portrayals in social media platforms. In this study, the authors conduct a systematic review to evaluate the sentiments around portrayal of substances in social media. The preponderance of posts about substances overall were positive at 76.3%, including for tobacco at 59.8% positive, alcohol at 91.6%, cannabis at 79.5%, and e-cigarettes at 85.9%. Opiates were the only substance with the majority of postings having negative sentiment, but still, only 55.5% of posts were negative. Postings on personal and commercial accounts both tended to be positive. Given these findings and potential public health impact, the author suggests that further regulation around postings involving substances on social media is needed. Our final article is in Drug and Alcohol Dependence titled, State Prescribing Cap Laws Associated with Opioid Analgesic Prescribing and Opioid Overdose. Using commercial and Medicare Advantage claims data, this study examines opioid prescribing patterns, including duration, dosing, and opioid overdoses. The study did not find any statistically significant change in opioid prescribing patterns over the study period, with little change in the proportion of patients receiving prescriptions, duration, or dosage. The authors do note that overall, opioid prescribing patterns trended down, but this may be due to broader social changes. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.